0: Father, you reminded us last week of just uh, how great uh, hope we have in the fact that uh, your son will be returning soon. And we, we look forward to that, Lord. There's, it's going to be such a great day when that trumpet blows and, and we're called into the air and meet you in the air. And uh, we're raptured uh, to live with you forever, Lord. And what a, what a great and glorious day that will be. And Lord, uh, uh, I know when that day comes, you want us to be found faithful, and, and today in this text, you're going to show us just what it means to be a faithful Christian, Lord. And we don't want to be a, a Christian who's excited for a while and then fades away, Lord. We want to be uh, a Christian that remains steadfast till the end in our faith and our hope in you and and our excitement about the things that uh, you promise us and uh, we want to be, uh, excited about the service you give us now to, uh, or the ministry you give us now to, to perform on this earth while we wait for your coming, Lord. Uh, I just ask you show us these great truths today and, uh, that you do that by the power of your Holy spirit. I ask that in the name of Jesus Christ. It's in his precious name that I pray. Amen. Well, Peter gave us some really exciting news last week. If you weren't here. I mean, what was that news? News is the Lord is coming back, and he's coming back very, very soon. And even though that's going to be a terrible time for some people on this earth, it's going to be a terrible time for the nation of Israel. It's known as the time of Jacob's trouble, and it's going to be a terrible time for, for all those who are lost, uh, that go through the Great Tribulation. But for us, man, we've got a lot to look forward to. I mean, we're, we we I, I don't know if you've ever given thought to it, but you realize that when the Lord comes back and rules and reigns on this earth, we will have the very physical presence of God living on this earth. There will be a time when you will be able to reach out and touch Jesus Christ, God Almighty in the flesh. Now, that excites me. I'm kind of fearful of that prospect, but it also excites me that that the Lord will be ruling and reigning in his physical presence on this earth. And we also, what excites me is he's going to straighten things out. We live in a pretty evil and wicked world right now. And when he comes to rule and reign on this earth, he's going to rule and reign in righteousness. And it's going to all lead up until a time when we live in a new heaven and a new earth. And so those are very exciting things. And, and, uh, uh, and, man, if that doesn't excite you, there's something wrong with you. But, you know, I, I think there are a lot of believers that, that uh, really we just kind of go on with our life and we really don't think much about the coming of the Lord. It used to be a time when, man, that was kind of at the center of a lot of people's preaching. You'd hear these revivalists come into town, and, man, they would preach hell and Hell, hell and brimstone and fire and brimstone and and they would they would want to scare you into being ready for the coming of the Lord. I remember Tony Campella telling the story one time about when he was a child. He said those revivalists would come to town and and they would they would uh, they would try to scare you into being right with the Lord when the Lord came. They would say, "Man, you don't want to be at a at a movie when the Lord comes. You don't want to be." Uh, out drinking when the Lord comes. You don't want to be doing anything bad when the Lord comes or he might not take you with him. And I remember Tony Campello saying, you know, that, that, that didn't really work for me. He said, you know, I would go into the movie and I'd be watching the movie and, and uh, I would start thinking, man, what if the Lord comes? I'm going to miss the rest of the movie. <laughs> so he kind had kind of sort of a different attitude about it. And, and he was joking. But you know what? That's really a good illustration of the way a lot of us feel about the coming of the Lord. I mean, we might say we're anxious for the Lord to come, but we don't want to miss the rest of the movie. We don't want to miss the rest of life. I mean, we want to, hey, we want to see our kids grow up. We want to see our grandchildren grow up. We want to see our kids get married. We want to see them have children. We want to see all of these great things that, that life has for us. We want to see that new home. We want to see that new car. I mean, I mean Lord, you know, just wait a little bit before you come back. But we of all people, and I'll tell you what, you saw what happened last night in New York and we're going to see more of those kind of things. This world is becoming more and more wicked by the moment and it's getting a lot easier to kind of lay aside our plans for the future and think about the future with the Lord and think about how much better things are going to be when the Lord comes. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited about the Lord's return. And, and I want to be ready. When the Lord comes, I want to be ready for the Lord's return. And how, what does it mean to be ready? Well, to be ready, if you're ready for the Lord's return, that means that you're a faithful person. You're faithful to the Lord. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 that we are God's stewards, and it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. What's God require of you? that you be found faithful. What's the Lord going to be looking for when he comes back to this earth? He's going to be looking for faithful people. And that's the question we want to explore today. Are we really faithful people? If the Lord came today, would he find in us a faithful person? And, and you know, Jesus asked that question himself in sort of a rhetorical question. You remember in Luke chapter 18, he said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find any faithful on this earth? Will he find even one faithful on this earth? It's almost if he was saying, I don't expect to find many. And I got to tell you, people with real faith, with enduring faith, are really hard to find. They are a rarity. They're not the norm. I think in our church we have a lot of those people hopefully I hope to be one of those people you hope to be one of those people but there are very few people who are truly faithful to the Lord in our text in Wednesday night in Hosea the Lord almost with a broken heart says this to his people listen to what he says he says O Ephraim what shall I do with you O Judah what shall I do to you, For your faithfulness is like a morning cloud, like, and like the early dew, it goes away. In other words, you've got a lot of religion. You've got a lot of religion, but you've got little or no faith. Your faithfulness is a fleeting thing. I mean, it's like a morning dew it's, it, or a morning cloud. It's there in the morning, but then it goes away as soon as the heat rises. Or the temperature rises. You know, actually, the metaphor that's being used here, we don't understand it in Louisiana, but actually a morning cloud and a morning dew can be a thing of quite exquisite beauty. I mean, here, we don't get morning clouds. We, when it's cloudy here, man, it's cloudy. And, and the clouds don't fade away. When we don't get dews very often, what do we get? We get a mist or a fog like we had this morning. But you go out into an area where... Or to, you live in an area or go to an area where, where the climate's a little drier, you would see that a morning cloud is, can actually be a beautiful thing. I can remember when we lived in Las Vegas, one of those morning clouds would come up and, and uh, the sun would hit it just right and this color would explode across the horizon. I mean, it's the most beautiful thing in the world. And then you would get up in the morning sometimes, even in that dry climate, and you would look out over, a, a, over your yard and where the grass was, and there would be this morning dew, and it would kind of turn the grass kind of a silver uh, green color, and, and every blade of grass would glisten, and I mean, it was such a beautiful sight. But then the heat would rise, and the morning dew would fade away, and the morning cloud would go away. And, and that's the way... Some of us are. That's the way our faith is. As it warms up and we start out with a lot of faith, we get excited about the Lord. But as things heat up, our faith sort of fades away and, and uh, we become less, of, less faithful in, in our walk with the Lord. Now, I don't want to be like a morning dew. I don't know about you. I don't want to fade away. When the Lord comes, whether he comes through the rapture or when he comes to get me when I die, either way, I want to be found faithful. So what do we need to do to be found faithful? And that's what Peter's going to show us in the last part of this uh, text, the last part of chapter 3 of 2 Peter. Now, the first thing you got to do to be found faithful, you got to be found in the faith. You've got to be saved, and that's the first thing. Uh, component of faithfulness that he gives us here uh, in verse number 14. So let's read verse 14. He says, therefore, therefore, beloved, uh, looking forward to these things, since since we look forward to the, these things, since we look forward to the coming of Jesus Christ, we look forward to a time when righteousness rules on this earth. We look forward to a time of a new heavens and a new earth. Therefore, beloved, since we look forward to these things, and he calls us beloved, He's talking to those of us who should be born again, who are loved by Christ and love Christ. He says, therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found. Let me retranslate that or or translate that word a little bit differently. Instead of by in him, it's a better translation. It's the dative case uh, and, and, most, more often than not, it's translated in, and I think that fits better here with what he's trying to say. Be diligent to be found in him. You know, if you could sum it all up, if you want to be faithful, let me tell you how you can sum it all up. You be found in him. You be found in him. Who's him? Jesus Christ. I mean, that's where we want to be found when the Lord comes. If you're in a strong relationship with Jesus Christ, hey, you're in the right place. That's the beginnings of faithfulness. He says to be found in him in peace. In other words, in in a place where you have peace with God. Now, he's not talking so much about the peace of God. He's talking about peace with God. And let me tell you something. If you're here today, you're in one of two positions. You are either at peace with God or you are at enmity with God. Jesus put it like this. You're either for me or you're against me. You either gather or you scatter. There's no in between. You're either in the Lord, in peace, or you're an enemy of the Lord. Now, all of us were enemies of the Lord before we got saved, so that doesn't mean you can't get saved. But you're not saved if you're not in peace with the Lord. Now, here's the the next part of this faithfulness thing that, that maybe causes me a little bit of trouble. Without spot And blameless. How many of you are here without without spot and blameless? Raise your hand. How many of you are born again? You can raise your hand. You can raise your hand. I'm going to show you why here in just a second. Is Peter saying that when the Lord comes, that that we have to be found living an absolutely perfect life? I mean, we have to be totally without spot and totally without blame. Is that what he's saying? If that's what he's saying, then I don't know about you, but I'm in deep, deep trouble because I've got a lot of spots and a lot of blemish and a lot of blame. And so, so if that's the case, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make it. Let me give you an example. Let's say you go to a movie. Movies can be good things. They can be bad things. Most of the movies these days are what? They're bad things, but you know you want to go eat the popcorn. You want to get a coke, so you so you break away and you go to the movie. I went to see that movie a while back, American Sniper, and and don't you don't have to raise your hand if you saw it or not. It's a great patriotic movie about a great guy. Uh, I mean, it'll 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 cause you to it'll bring you to tears by the end of the movie. I can tell you that if you go see it. But I got to tell you, there's a lot of bad words in that movie. There's a lot of F-bombs and a lot lot of places where they're taking the Lord in name and the the Lord's name in vain. There's a lot of places where they're cursing Jesus Christ. I mean, there is a lot of bad language in that movie. Some bad scenes in that movie. Now, if the trumpet, if I was sitting in that movie and uh, Bradley Cooper had just ranted some of his uh, curse words against the Lord and the trumpet blew and the Lord came to get us, I got to tell you, my mind would be tainted. My heart would, might even, you could say, would be tainted because of all of that bad language. And, uh, you know, if you read this passage the wrong way, I would be in deep trouble because I would have spot and I would have blemish and the Lord might just leave me behind. But is that what he's talking about here? To be without spot and without blemish. How are we without spot and without blemish? Only by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses me from all unrighteousness. That's what makes me without spot or without blemish, without spot or without blame. And and so that's where I want to be found. Paul put it like this. That's the way you're going to be found if you're a born-again believer. Because Paul says in Ephesians 5, verse 23, 23, he says, Jesus will present the church to himself without spot or without blemish. That doesn't mean that we haven't tainted our minds by some of the terrible things of this world. It means that by the blood of Christ we have been cleansed and made absolutely perfect. It says in Hebrews chapter 10 that we have been perfected forever in Jesus Christ. Without blemish or without spot. But now... We're talking about faithfulness here. Am I being faithful when I allow myself to be spotted by this world? No. I'm not being faithful. I mean, just because we're given righteousness by the Lord through his blood doesn't mean that we don't strive for moral excellence. If we're faithful Christians, we should be striving for moral excellence. But as I'm going to show you in just a minute, your moral excellence is more of a byproduct of your relationship with Jesus Christ than it is what you do or don't do. Because I can tell you right now, the closer you are to Jesus Christ, the the more or the less you're going to be stained by the things of this world. But you can't can't, uh, be doing evil and at the same time be living close to the Lord. You just can't do it. It's not so much that you can't get away with it and that you won't, you won't be saved and you won't be raptured if the Lord comes, but you won't be faithful. And we want to be faithful people. Why do we want to be faithful people? Well, look at, look at the next verse. Uh, verse number 15. He says, And consider the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. He's not saying here, as some expositors say, that that, that somehow that, that we, by, that by, through our long suffering, somehow we're made without spot or without blemish. He's not saying that at all. He's saying, ponder the long suffering of the Lord. Ponder. That should drive us to faithfulness. When we ponder what the Lord has done for us, then we should want to be faithful Christians. I mean, what's he mean, long-suffering? Well, you stop and think about the long-suffering, the suffering, those hours of torment that Jesus went through on that cross for your sin and mine, for the sins of the whole world. You talk about long-suffering. That should drive me to faithfulness. When I think about what the Lord did for me on the cross, that should make me a faithful person. When I think about the Lord's patience in my sanctification, you know, the Lord is awful, awful. Well, let me go back. Let's let's talk about the Lord's patience in those years of rebellion, those 40 years of rebellion before I got saved. The Lord was so patient with me. You know, there are times, I go back and look at some of the things I was doing before I was saved, and and there are times when the Lord sort of just wiped me off the map. But he was long-suffering towards me, just like he was long-suffering towards you when you were rebelling against the Lord. And that should drive us to faithfulness. But not only that, he's long-suffering in our sanctification. There's things we do now that you, we probably ought to be wiped off the map for. There's things that, 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 that we do uh, every day. There's thoughts we have. There's places we go where we shouldn't go. There's all sorts of things. And the Lord is long-suffering with us. He's patient with us as he, from glory to glory, changes us into his own image. And so that long-suffering should make us want to be faithful people. And that's Peter's message. That's his message in this book. And he he says, look at what he says in the last part of that verse. He says in verse number 15, And consider the long-suffering of the Lord at salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul. Now he's going to put in a good word for Paul here. Paul gets a, maybe Paul sold more books after this or something. But he says, he says, As also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. In other words, you need to get a hold of some of his books, some of his letters. They're really good. I mean, he's written to you some really good stuff. It's the same message I've written to you. And what's that message Peter's saying? The same message that Paul, the same message that I gave to you is the same message that Paul gave to you. And that's that you are saved And sanctified and glorified by the long suffering of the Lord. I mean, though it's through his long suffering that we are saved. Isn't that exactly what Paul wasn't that the theme of all of Paul's teaching? By the works of the law no flesh shall be justified. By we're justified by what? By faith. Through the long suffering of the Lord on the cross. It's the long suffering of the Lord Of the Lord on the cross and in our sanctification, in our our glorification, it's him being patient with us that saves us. Him being long-suffering with us that saves us. As Paul says, it's Christ in you, your hope of glory. What Christ? The long-suffering Christ, the patient Christ. That should make me faithful. I mean, the Lord has put up with so much from me. In my life, before I was saved and since I've been saved, I should be in return in gratitude, be faithful to the Lord. And Paul wrote about that. And he also talks some more about Paul here as he digresses a little bit in verse number 16. He says, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which some are hard to understand. I can't imagine that. I mean, I, have you ever read Romans all the way through? It's easy to understand, right? No, he, Paul has Paul had a theological mind uh, enlightened by the Holy Spirit in a powerful way. He really—it's it, almost if it's God is—it is as if God is speaking through him when we read his letters. And some of those things are hard to understand, and that's why, for a lot of people, all of this is Greek. You have to have your mind enlightened too in order to be able to understand the things of Paul. Paul wrote some very difficult things that were really hard to understand and they also were taken out of context. Look at the last part of that verse. Which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do the rest of the scriptures. Now the things that Paul taught were especially hard to understand by the Jews. I mean, the Jew had a big difficulty with Paul's teaching. They had a lot of problem with Paul's teaching because what did Paul teach? He taught that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to those who believe. He taught that all things are lawful, but all things don't edify. Now, the Jew didn't understand that because how did they think you were justified? They thought you were justified by the law. You can't say Christ is the end of the law. That makes you a heretic. And so they couldn't understand. They just couldn't get what he was trying to say. They still don't get it. A legalist still doesn't get it. They, it is hard to understand. When, when Paul says Christ is the end of the law, man, that sounds really strange. That sounds, when, Christ, when, when Paul says that by the law, by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified, people don't want to hear that if they're into legalism because they believe that it's, it, it's your works or it's Christ plus your works. And Paul says, you don't none of, you don't add to the work of Christ with any of your works. And so that was really hard for those people to understand. But his teachings were also on the other side of the table, or the other side of the coin. They were twisted by unstable uh worldly people. They twisted it another way. They they taught or were trying you know Paul's stuff was hard to understand and they they took it to mean that, uh, your, mor- that, that your, moral, your moral behavior didn't matter. In other words, uh, they used Paul's teaching to justify their immoral ir- 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 behavior. Now, and Paul spoke about such people and what they said in, in the book of Romans. what he said? So these people are saying, shall, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound more abundantly? And what was Paul's answer to that? Megadeto, may it never be. May it never be. Look, Paul did teach that we are not under law. But the reason we aren't under law is because we are new creatures in Jesus Christ. We have been given a new nature. We have been given the nature of God. We are the children of God. If you're truly born again, you're a child of God. So if you're a child of God and you still love sin, or you call yourself a child of God and you still love sin, hey, you're fooling yourself. You're not a child of God. If you have been born again, where's the law? The law is written on your heart, and you hate sin. You hate sin. It's part of your nature to hate sin. You don't need the law. The law is for whoremongers and murderers and and uh, thieves and people uh, who need the law because they don't have that new nature. But you, if you've been born again, you have the new nature of Jesus Christ, the divine nature, and so you don't need the law, and that's what Paul was teaching. Now, these components of faithfulness that, that Peter's going to show us here as we finish up real quickly. Look at, look at the next few verses here, 17 and 18. He says, you, therefore, beloved, since you do have the divine nature, since you are a child of God, here's what you've got to do if you want to be found faithful when the Lord comes. You, therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, that there are unstable people who twist the word, who twist scriptures, that don't understand the word, you do understand the word. And so you, you are a born-again believer, and you want to be fa- found faithful. So beware. Beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness. Being led away with the error of the wicked. The wicked are these unstable worldly people who twist scriptures. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. What? Amen. Now, I want to be a faithful Christian. I want to be found faithful when the Lord comes. So, what's it mean to be found faithful? Well, He tells us right here. Looking back at this verse, first of all, you got to be steadfast. You got to be steadfast in what? Well, you can be steadfast in your faith. You got to endure to the end in your faith. But He's talking about something more. Here, Because he, he says, beware lest you, be led, lest you be led away with the error of the wicked. Now, the error of the wicked, what's the error of the wicked? That's, that's what? What's the error of the wicked? It's a lie. It's not truth. You know the truth. And so what Paul is saying, I mean, what Peter is saying in the context here is that you're to be steadfast in the truth. Being steadfast is the opposite of fading away. If you're steadfast in the truth, you will not fade away in your relationship with the Lord. So we're to remain steadfast in the truth. Now, we live in an age where that's a difficult thing. To, to believe this word and stay steadfast in this word is not popular. It's not popular at all. I mean, but we're to be... a If we're found faithful, we're to be of those people who believe the word and live by the word from Genesis to what? To Revelation. We believe every single word of this Bible. In other words, first of all, we believe the creation account of Genesis. I'm going to tell you what. If you you tell people you believe in a literal seven-day creation in this world that we live in today, they'll, they'll write you off as. As, as nuts. They'll laugh at you. You're laughed at. You're scorned in this world if you believe in a, in a uh, seven-day creation. If you believe in a sin nature that came through the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, if you really believe in that, in chapter three, what that says in chapter three, that there was a fall and God kicked them out of the garden and from that point on, man, had a sinful nature. If you really believe that, They'll they'll accuse you of believing fairy tales. You mean you, that really wasn't literal? That really didn't happen that way. Men really aren't sinful. Men are basically what good. That's what we're told. So if you believe that again, you're gonna you know they're gonna they're gonna write you off as some kind of nut. Now, if you believe that all have sin, and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, and It's eternal death and hell. Oh, man, you're you're a nasty person. You tell people there's a hell and you're going to hell if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you're written off as a nasty person, a nasty, mean-spirited person who believes in a different God from the God of the Bible. Whoa, that's not true. The God of the Bible is the God who created hell and made it a place for those who, who don't know the Lord is their final destination for eternity. That's what the Bible says. So if you don't believe in hell, you, you, you know, people are going to write you off. If you believe that the only way, that, and that's what this Bible teaches, the only way to the Father and the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ, you will be scorned. That's not, you know what, you'll be called a bigot. That's bigoted I mean, who are you to say you know the only way? I don't know the only way, but God knows the only way. And he reveals the only way in his word. And the only way is through Jesus Christ. So it's difficult to stay steadfast in this fallen world. It's to stay steadfast in the word in this fallen world. It's a very difficult thing. You will be persecuted if you stay steadfast in this word. But... To be found faithful, you, you need to remain steadfast in the word. All right, then the second thing, look at what he says. He, he says we're to grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Someone has likened the Christian faith to riding a bicycle. When you ride a bicycle, you're either moving forward or you're falling. You can put it another way the, in the context of the Christian faith. You're either moving forward or you're fading away. You're either growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, or you are fading away. If you're here today, and you're not growing, and you're not in the Word, you're not steadfast in the Word, and you're not growing in the knowledge of the Lord, that's the word gnosis there, which means the facts about the Lord. Where do you find the facts about the Lord? On on, uh, NBC News? No, where do you find the facts about the Lord? You find the facts about the Lord in the Bible. And so, when you remain steadfast in the Lord, then in, in, in the Word, you're remaining steadfast in the Lord, you're remaining steadfast in the knowledge of the Lord, and you're growing in your knowledge of the Lord. And if you're growing in your knowledge of the Lord, you're growing in your grace. Because our, the graces we receive from the Lord are tied to our knowledge of the Lord because the grace we receive from the Lord comes through our relationship with the Lord. And where does our relationship with the Lord come from? Through his word. If you're here today and you're not in the word, you're not in a relationship with the Lord. You're to grow in gnosis. And by growing in gnosis, you have what is called epinosis, knowledge upon knowledge. That's the word for a relationship, knowledge in the form of a relationship. And so, you're either moving forward and growing in that relationship and growing in your knowledge, or you're fading away. And if you're growing in your knowledge and you're growing in your relationship, then guess what? You're growing in your grace. Let me ask you, at Christmas time, do you give gifts to people you don't know? Now, you might as a benevolent person. And the Lord does that sometimes, too. It rains on the just, and it rains on the unjust. But the, the spiritual graces that we really desire... Who does God give those to? Those who know him. Those who are in a relationship with him. Remember when Peter started this chapter back in 2 Peter chapter 1. Remember what he said? Go back to 2 Peter chapter 1 for a second. And look at verses 2 and 3 there. He says, grace and peace be multiplied to you. How do you get it? He tells you, in what? In knowledge. In knowledge. Look, you're not going to have peace and the grace of God, the graces of God, unless you have the knowledge of God, unless you're in a relationship with God. That's the word epinosis there. Now, the word over here that we're looking in, at in uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, the last part, that's the word gnosis. So it begins with gnosis. Gnosis is knowing the facts about someone. So it begins by knowing the facts about someone. So you know the facts about Jesus Christ, and you pile knowledge upon knowledge, and you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And through that relationship, Peter says in verse number 1, or verse number 2 of chapter number 1, grace and peace are multiplied to you. So if you want the peace of God that passes understanding, now if you're born again, you have peace with God. But if you want the peace of God that passes understanding, that peace in your soul, it's going to come through the word because that's where your relationship comes. It comes through the word. He says, grace and peace be multiplied to, to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. As his divine power has given us all things, verse number three, that pertain to life and godliness through what? Through what? through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So it's through epinosis, through knowledge upon knowledge, we enter into a relationship with the Lord, we have grace and peace, and we have power to live this Christian life the way the Lord wants us to live it. You know, Jesus said something very similar, or or put out a very important precept about knowing him, In John chapter, uh, let me find my reference here. In John chapter 8, remember what he said? He says, you are my disciples indeed if you abide where? Where? In my word. If you are steadfast in my word, if you live in my word and according to my word, you're truly my disciples. You truly are faithful. And then he gives us, go back to 2 Peter chapter number 3, and he gives us the last component of faithfulness here. He says, to him, who's the him? Jesus Christ. Be the glory both now and forever. Amen. The last component of faithfulness is that all we do, in all we do, we give glory to the Lord. And we live for the glory of the Lord. Paul put it like this in Colossians chapter three. He says, And whatever you do in word or deed deed, do all in the name of Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God through him. In other words, giving him glory for everything that you do. That's not as easy as it sounds. I think there's a real danger for all of us that we live our lives to glorify ourselves and not glorify the Lord. I think that's a danger in ministry, a real danger in ministry. I mean, it's a danger in in any church service. It's a danger in, in just coming to church. I mean, if we do our religion to be seen, Or we do our religion to be noticed. Or we do it so we feel important or wanted. I mean if that's why you're here today. So you can feel wanted or needed. Hey you're here for the wrong reason. We're here to do what? We're here to give glory to the Lord. We're here to give glory to the Lord. in our worship and our praise and our Bible study. And then to go out into the world. And live our lives for the glory of God. And if you're faithful. If you're gonna, if you're gonna be found faithful, you're gonna be living your life for the glory of the Lord, because a faithful servant gives glory always uh, to his master, not to himself. So we can finish up the book there. You want to be found faithful when the when the Lord comes? Well, maybe I'm not so faithful. I mean, what happens if I'm not as faithful as I should be? The trumpet blows. What happens if I'm not found faithful, if I'm not giving God the glory, if I'm not steadfast in the Word, if, if uh, I'm not growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, if I'm kind of fading away, what happens then? Well, the good news is that the Lord is faithful when we're unfaithful. And if you're found in Him, if you met that first criteria, if you're found in him in peace, without blemish, without spot, by the blood of Jesus Christ, guess what? You're going to make it to heaven. But is that all we want to do, is make it to heaven? You know, I, I don't know about you, but I want to hear those words. When God calls me, I want to hear those words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. That's what I want to hear. I want to be found faithful. And so if I want to be found faithful, then I have to be more than just saved. I have to be steadfast in this word. I have to be growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I have to be becoming more like him as I grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And because I'm living for his glory. I want to be living for his glory when he comes. I don't want to be a morning mist or morning dew that fades away. I want to be a thing of exquisite beauty to the Lord. And what's of exquisite beauty to the Lord? A good and faithful servant. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for your faithfulness. Your faithfulness that you've shown us through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How he has died for us and and given his life and uh, suffered long for us so that we can be without blame and without spot. Father, I just thank you for all he's done. But Lord, we want to go past just being saved. We want to be faithful. We know that we can only be faithful by your grace. And, And we know that your grace is is in proportion to the knowledge that we have of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, help us to be steadfast in your word. Help us to grow in, in the grace and knowledge of, of Jesus Christ. And, Lord, uh, help us to be found faithful when you come. We ask all of that in Christ's name I pray. Amen.